You are listening to the Reality Steve Podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind-the-scenes juice on Michelle's season of The Bachelorette and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 263. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Another good show for you this week. We've got Brooke Lusk from 12 Dates of Christmas. As I told you about on Monday during the Amanda interview, interviewed Brooke probably about two hours after I interviewed Amanda last Monday. So she hadn't seen the episodes either. And we get her take on everything that happened. If you've watched the show, obviously spoilers here. There's a lot to get to with Brooke. She probably went through more than anybody on that show. And um, really interesting to hear her insight on what happened. So we'll get to that momentarily. A few things to get to. Some house cleaning business, so to speak. In regards to Clayton's season, we know now that they are promoting him. He was on Good Morning America yesterday morning. They promoted him as The Bachelor after the episode on Tuesday, they put out the Instagram account of him being the bachelor with the puppies and something about an underdog. I don't really understand the promotion for him. I mean, obviously, they're promoting their bachelor. I, what I'm saying is I don't understand the storyline of underdog. There's nothing that we saw this season that made Clayton an underdog, nor is there anything about him and his life that makes him an underdog. Unless you want to say, like, you know, he was not a, a big recruit out of high school to go to college and play at Missouri. I, I, but we, the thing is, if even if that's what they were going for, they didn't even express that much on his season with Michelle. Like, if it was his storyline on Michelle's season, it makes sense, but it wasn't. So I have no idea where the underdog thing came from. I think they just wanted to throw puppies into a promo poster because people like puppies. And uh, maybe they'll like Clayton uh, because he's got a bunch of puppies hanging on him. Um, I didn't see the full clip. I watched most of it on GMA because the clip was online within minutes of that interview ending. And, you know, the one thing that he did say is he did find love. So not that we'd be surprised. Only two bachelors in the last, I think, 15 seasons didn't propose, or three didn't propose to the woman at the end, which was Juan Pablo, Colton, and Matt. Now, granted, he said he found love. He didn't say he was engaged, but that doesn't mean he's not engaged. I'm just He said he found love, which usually they don't let the leads say anything at the beginning of the season. We usually get the same lines of, I'm happy with the way things turned out, blah, blah, blah. You've heard all the lines that all leads have given, men or women. But he was allowed to say it, so maybe it was just to, to get people excited for his season or whatnot. I haven't heard the ending yet, but, you know, I, I expect there to be a proposal. It's kind of the way the show works. One thing yesterday that um, that happened, in case you aren't following along. Now, this is as of the time I'm recording this, which is Wednesday, mid to late afternoon. Two of Clayton's final four women have gone back on social media. Susie Evans and Gabby Windy. And safe to say, they probably have two of the more different Instagram accounts in terms of what they post, for sure. 
doesn't mean it's bad or good. Just means different. All you got to do is go look at it. Susie C. Evans and it's Gabriella dot Wendy, I think. And they're back. But as I said, as of this recording, Serene and Rachel aren't. What does it mean? To me, absolutely nothing. And really, it truly doesn't. Unless there was some sort of trend where every single woman who's been in the final four over, say, the last, I don't know, 10 seasons when social media has become a thing. If it was like the last one back on Instagram has always been the winner or the first one back has always been the winner or the second to last one back has always been the winner, then then you could say something, but that hasn't been the case. There's never been a, oh, if you're the first one back or if you're the last one back, they've always been the winner. It just hasn't. So there's been no sort of pattern whatsoever. Whoever you want to win out of those final four, you are going to make whatever narrative you want based on when they came back online and what they've posted. So it really is pointless. But as I pointed out earlier this week, it was weird that the final four women had been back home for over a week and neither of them, none of the four had turned their Instagrams back on and gone public when all of Clayton's other women had. So now you've got two of them and I'm sure Serene and Rachel aren't far behind, but I wouldn't read into too much of who turned theirs on first, who turned theirs on second. What are they posting? It's just, it's just guesswork. And, you know, that brings me to my spoiler of what happened at the end of Colton's season. I know a lot of you probably get tired of me saying this. Hell, I even get tired of hearing myself say this sometimes. But in the line of work that I'm in, it absolutely is the motto that I live by. I have to get cons- have to get stuff confirmed. Have I heard things since Clayton's season ended? Absolutely. But if I were to just run with what I've heard then I'd be telling you right now that Serene was the winner. I'd also be telling you that Gabby was the winner. I'd also be telling you that Rachel was the winner, and I'd also be telling you that Susie was the winner because in the last week, I've heard quote-unquote rumblings about all four women possibly winning. And clearly we know that didn't happen. He didn't pick four women. He picked one. I don't know who it is yet, but that's that's why I say, when I say every season, look, I need confirmation. I need to get a little more solid. Clearly I do because four women didn't win. And I've heard rumblings, not, you know, I haven't had four people say absolutely 100% Serene won, Gabby won, Susie won, Rachel won. I haven't gotten that. I've just gotten stuff like, Hey, I'm hearing that. uh, And it's just like, okay, we all remember what happened during Peter's season. And I, and I laid this out there for you. I think it was like right around the time his first episode aired. I said, look, what I'm hearing if, you, if you're supposed to believe everything coming out of Auburn, Alabama, everything I'm hearing is a bunch of people in Auburn, Alabama saying they're hearing that Peter and Maddie are happy and together. And I laid that out there and I said, look, if you want to believe that, go ahead. I haven't, that's not confirmation enough for me. And it's kind of the same thing this time around, except I'm getting it about four different women. So, you know, it's just, I, I don't, it's, it's nothing at this point. I don't know. The outcome, I, when I do, I will spill it to you along with, with everything else, all the other spoilers uh, to the season leading up to the Final Four. But that's where we're at right now. It's just I, I just, I get to this point every season where, look, I know you want to know who won. And I want to tell you who won, but I'm not going to tell you what I know until I get it from a source that 
I trust, and if the source tells me stuff that I can verify, and if it's a source that I believe has no reason to be making information up, and stuff like that. It's just, I take so many things into consideration. Like, I could find out tomorrow who won. I also could find out in two weeks, or one week. I just never, there's no set time where it's like, okay, Steve, uh, the season ended filming last weekend. You're going to find out on December 7th. Like, I have no idea every season. It's different. There are times where I found out literally three days after the engagement happened. I think one of them was like two days. And there are some that have taken me up till the first episode or sometime during December because it always films, you know, September through November. And I found out at some point during the month of December. So just be patient. You're going to get your winner. I'm I just can't imagine that at no point I'm going to ever find out who won this season. So that's where we're at. I know you're impatient. I know you have to know everything three seconds after it happens. But just know that would you rather me just throw a name out there and possibly be it versus actually throwing a name out there where it's like, yeah, this is the person who won. Of course you want to know who won, not Hey, Steve, what are you hearing? And it's just like, oh, I'm hearing everybody. So that doesn't do you much good. That's not going to help matters. So I just wanted to uh, to lay that out there for you. But uh, we've got a good podcast right now, podcast number 263. Brooke Lusk, one of my favorite people from this season of 12 Dates of Christmas. She's great. Really gives a lot of good insight uh, to what she went through. And if you saw the season, you know that she left and say she left, she was eliminated and then came back. We get into the reasons for her coming back. Did when she came back, did she think that mean that meant she was going to win? I certainly thought it did, but boy, was I wrong. They had me fooled. So anyway, let's get right to it. Podcast 263. All right, here she is. Let's bring her in. Uh, she was one of the contestants on 12 dates of Christmas now out on HBO Max came out last week on Thanksgiving Day. All nine episodes you can binge. I did. Uh, unfortunately, you probably remember her as the one who was rejected twice. It is Brooke Lusk. Brooke, how are you? <laughs> Hi, I'm good. How are you? I've never had an introduction like that. Uh, I know. <laughs> I'm doing so good. How are you? <laughs> uh, I'm good. Um, I I've really got a lot to talk to you uh, about this and. I'm curious of of what happens to you, what what it's been like since you ended filming on this, because I've got my thoughts uh, on what happened. So, but first off, before we get to anything that happened on the show, I want to get a little bit idea more about you, because, you know, as we know on this show, the three leads meet eight different people during the show. You came in number seven, like you did not have a lot of time with Danny because you were the seventh woman brought in. Only one woman came in after you. That was um, Dylan. So, um, so you came in seventh. So we didn't get a a total idea of your background. So where are you from? I I know you talked about um, being a a script writer, but now you're into acting. Give us, give everyone an idea of a little bit more about Brooke. Sure. So I was born and raised in Roseville, California, which is just, outside of Sacramento, California. And I was a soccer chick up until I was about 12 years old. And I randomly won this contest at the local news station. And I got to go interview the stars of Shrek's third at 12 years old, which kind of, you know, I got bit by the 
entertainment industry bug at 12. And I started working at a news station at 12 years old till the age of 19 as an entertainment journalist doing press junket interviews um, for those seven years. And, you know, I was satisfied, but not 100% satisfied in that industry. So at 19, I packed up all my stuff and I moved to LA by myself. And I started from scratch and I started pursuing film and I fell into the role of a script supervisor, which basically focuses on the continuity of films. And I also fell in love with horror and I've always loved scary movies growing up. And somehow, I don't know if it was just like divine intervention, but most of the jobs I booked were horror films, which just fed my soul. I loved working with like prosthetics and movie blood and like all that stuff. It's my favorite, favorite, favorite. So um, yeah, basically that brought me here and I still work on horror movies and movies in general. And I'm just, I'm just in love with making movies, whether I'm in front of the camera or behind it. So how did this show come about? Because in, in what I cover with Bachelor and Bachelorette World and speaking to former contestants and reality shows, it seems like more and more it's happening because of, um, you know, people are reaching out on Instagram. But I read an interview that you did, and you said that a casting director had originally reached out to your manager about another dating show on HBO Max. So I have to ask, were you approached about doing F-Boy Island? <laughs> yes, I was. Okay, I was going to say, because I, I was like, wait a second, HBO Max, as far as I know, doesn't have any other dating shows. So um, right. th- did you watch F-Boy Island by any chance? You know, I'm I'm watching it right now, which is funny. Uh, oh. I don't know why, but I, yeah, I'm on episode seven, and I got to say, juicy juicy stuff <laughs> oh just oh by the way just wait till the finale it'll it'll blow your socks off if you haven't oh, been no. oh it's it's a really good finale because there's twist like as you've seen through the first seven episodes there's like a new twist every episode whether it's going through the guy's instagram accounts or having the guys admit they're f boy or nice guy or you know automatically eliminating the bottom two like you've seen up to that point you just wait till the finale. You just wait till the last few episodes. You're going to be like, oh, shit. And then the finale, they really turn it on its head. It's interesting. The- oh, my God. Oh, I can't wait. Could you, <laughs> now, have, now that you've watched the first seven episodes, could you have seen yourself on that show or no? Um, yes. Yeah, yes. I, c- I can. But I'm, I'm glad I ended up on 12 dates. Um, when I was in the casting process for F-Boy Island, I didn't know the title. Yeah. Um, and I really, really liked the idea of having such a woman powered driven show yeah. where, you know, there's three women. And my biggest fear in the casting process for that was I was like, I don't want to fight any other girls for a guy. That is something that totally turns me off and I just won't do it. So when they said like that wasn't the case, like they're totally besties and they're looking out for each other. I, I love the idea of the show that it's just the women are in control and you know, uh, Nakia, she, she turns down guys left and right when they try to kiss her. She's like, yeah. not yet. And I'm like, yes, I love that. I love it so much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've had, I've had Sarah and CJ both on the podcast, uh, after the show aired, after it came out. And, um, they obviously two of the three leads and they were, they didn't know the title of the show while they were filming. They didn't find out till halfway through filming 
what the show was titled. So, oh yeah, right. so they were definitely kept in the dark. So I'm, I'm curious on your part and, you know, having spoke to uh, Amanda from Amanda Grace from your season of 12 Dates, she said when she was going through casting, you know, I asked her, were you always going to be either the lead or were you interviewing as a contestant and they decided to make you a lead? How was it for you? Because I get the impression that everyone they talked to for this show, probably they led to believe that maybe they were interviewing to be the lead. Is that what happened to you for 12 dates? Uh, well, I guess my case is a little different. So I was, I was talking to them for months about F boy Island again, didn't know the title of the show, but yeah. I was talking to them about a completely different show. 12 dates wasn't even a thought until two days before they drove me to South Lake Tahoe. Wow. Um, so, uh, I was in talks as a lead for Exploit Island, and then right before travel things were starting to happen, like I was, I guess I was just like number choice number four for Exploit uh, Island, and they decided not to go with me. And um, they, I mean, they let they let me down easy as they could, and I was totally upset because I had been talking to them for months, months and months. Mm. And um, yeah, you know about. I think it was about 36 hours past and I was, I was so sad. I was like so ready to be on that show. And they're like, Hey, how would you feel about being a love interest on 12 dates? So I never was under the impression of being a lead on 12 dates. I was under the impression I was going to be in love interest. Yeah. Okay. So with 12 dates, as we know, there's eight different people that are brought in for, for each of the leads. And as we we mentioned earlier, you were seventh. So were you, hold up someplace until they brought you on and you just had to wait? And were you led to believe like, oh, we're going to bring you in third and they kept pushing it back? Like, oh, no, we want to bring you in a little bit. Like, how did it work behind the scenes with when were you made aware of I'm late into this game here? I'm seventh. Um, So I knew that I was late into the game straight away. Um, They told me that they were already about halfway through filming when – I came on and we had to quarantine. So I quarantined for the number of days that I needed to. And the second I was done with quarantine, I popped on the show, which I was lucky in that sense because poor Dylan, who was number eight, quarantined for, I think, almost a month. And I I only quarantined, I think, for for two weeks, 10 days, two weeks. Yeah, poor girl. So they... I don't know if like the network was just like, she was supposed to be on FY Island and we want her on 12 dates now, whatever that situation was. But yeah, I, I got lucky in that sense of not quarantining, quarantining for a lifetime. <laughs> so, so it looks like, you know, of the eight women that came on for Danny outside of you, maybe there was another instance in this case, but it seems like seven of the eight women were all like, okay, this is our cast for the show. We're all flying them out quarantine and then we'll just we'll bring them on one by one except for you unless you know of any of the other women that um were late arrivals or whatever but it seems like everyone was already there and then they just had to wait until they were brought on interesting um correct that's okay. that's what i that's what i know yeah okay so when you um you know was was there any knowing you were coming on late and knowing it was so such a quick turnaround of not making it on fboy island but then being brought on this show had you seen season one? Did you know what this is about? Like, what was your knowledge of what you were getting into before you came on? Yeah. So when the casting directors for 12 Dates 
called me after FY Island fell through for me. They sent me the trailer and the application and all that. And then I, I did sit down and I watched a couple episodes of season one. Um, I did not finish season one. I don't know if that makes me a bad person. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Don't worry about it. I've never even seen okay. season one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah, I was I turned on to it. The first two. I knew it was a show. I had heard about it, but there's so, I mean, you know, obviously there's so many reality shows out there. You can't watch every single thing. And it just wasn't a show that was on my radar until they came to me about collabing for, for this. And I was like, okay, but obviously I want to see the episodes first and see if it's a good fit for my audience. And it absolutely was. And I really enjoyed the show. Now I'm, now I might go back and watch season one. Cause I want to know uh, what happened. Hell, I heard there was an engagement in season one. So Jesus. Um, I heard that too. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's, it's really interesting, but um, so real quickly before we get into what happened to you on the show, your dating history. Um, can you get into that where you were? Were you recently out of anything? Uh, just kind of your, a rough, a rough draft of your, of your dating history heading into this show. Sure. Uh, I'm, I'm, I haven't watched my season yet, so I um I don't know if they touched on my dating history in the show, but I talked about it a lot during filming. So yeah, no, they they but, did they did. Um, I just wanted to see if there was anything else that uh, was added. It, it seemed like, if I remember correctly, because like I said, I've I watched it, but and I have my notes, but there's a lot that. I just because I, I crammed all nine episodes into about three days, and it's like a lot of the stuff is yeah. running together. I'm like, who said what? But I think you were one that talked about how. Now I could be wrong on this, so correct me. But you said you were in a relationship, and for the last half of it, you found out he was cheating on you. Was that you? Yeah, okay. that was me. All right. Yeah. So sorry, sorry about that. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, I was in a relationship for just. A, over a year like we had just celebrated our anniversary and um things were starting to get a little rocky towards the end and I was just trying and fighting really hard to fight for that emotional stable relationship but it was one-sided unfortunately and uh one night he was staying at my place and it was a heat wave in Los Angeles and I got up out of bed to go sleep on the couch and his phone was charging in the living room uh-oh. And um, it was like the star, the stars aligned I, again, like divine intervention. And his phone lit up, and there was a, a bad text that I saw, which um, I then did go through his phone, and I looked up to six months. At six months of the risque text messages, I just was like, I'm not going to look any further because anything I see is just going to hurt me. The damage is done. Um, so it could have been longer. I don't know, but I know for at least half of the relationship, he was being unfaithful. So I just woke him up and that wasn't the first time I have been cheated on, unfortunately. And he knew of my past and he knew I have zero tolerance for that kind of thing. So I just woke him up and that was the last time we saw or spoke to each other. Well, that sucks. And number two, I think catching a guy red handed like that, I've always been curious when that's happened because you had the proof right there. It's not like you can go to him and say, Hey, somebody told me this or somebody told me that you had text messages. And probably in those six months, I'm guessing you saw some pictures, right? Or no. 
Um, yeah, uh. I did see pictures, okay. unfortunately. So, yeah. so you catch, you see that it's all the evidence is right there. You have his phone, and you're just like, hey, this is what. What does a guy in that position say? Did he just like, oh, I'm sorry, or was he just was he just like, did he try and get out of it in any way and try and justify it in any way, or did he just own what he did and be like, yeah, if you want to leave me, I get, I totally get it. You know, uh, this actually was a pretty big blow to my my heart and my ego as well. We didn't really talk. I don't. I didn't really give him a chance to talk, but um, I told him to pack his shit and go, and hmm. he didn't really fight me on it. He walked away. No, no questions asked. So he didn't deny it. He admitted to it, but there really was no conversation. And he, yeah, he just walked out of my life, which hurt for sure in the moment. Um, you feel you can't help but feel like being tossed away, but in the long run, I think it could have been a way messier breakup. So yeah, it, it was a blessing for sure that it was just kind of like, yeah, it was over. Um, just out of curiosity, do, do you watch The Bachelor and The Bachelorette? I have actually only seen um, one episode, one season of the bachelorette with jojo and i think jordan rogers yeah they got married and yeah i've only seen that season gotcha okay i only i only say that because <laughs> talking to you and listening to you you absolutely 100 percent sound like katie thurston who was the bachelorette in this year back from in june you just totally sound like her. I just thought I'd point that out. Oh, that's so funny. I'll have to watch it then. <laughs> yeah, just uh, it, the cadence in your voice, the the the, the tone of your voice. It, it, I feel like I'm talking to Katie. It's really weird. Anyway. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> Wait, I got to watch it now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's get on to the show portion of, uh, of what everyone saw on the show. So Danny meets eight women throughout the course of the season. Like I said, you were number seven. So he'd clearly established something with Nikki and had known her much longer than you before you arrive on there. You obviously knew that when you showed up, and then once you show up and start talking to him, you realize he clearly has uh, feelings for Nikki. How much did that weigh on you that, gosh, I'm no matter what I do, no matter how well I impress him on this first date, I, I'm, I still just arrived, and he's been hanging out with and spooning at night with Nikki. Like, <laughs> did, it, did it weigh on you? Um, to be quite honest, no, I don't think while we were filming, I knew the extent of how, like what they've done, you know, you say spooning, uh, spooning at night and, you know, whatever they're doing in the bedroom. I had no idea about any of that. You know, the other cast members didn't tell me about that. So I went in kind of, and like I, I did, I went in with a clean slate with Danny and, I didn't really feel threatened by any of the other girls because I really didn't know what was going on. Hmm. Did you? But once if you, that makes sense. yeah. But once you got there and um, talked to Danny, and then and then you arrive back in the uh, house or cabin, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, you you start talking and asking around. Did you? Did you ever ask around like about Nikki and? Anything like that or any of the other women? Or did you just try and be like, look, I'm just going to focus on me and Danny? Um, I, I, I think I, I caught wind before I got eliminated of how close Nikki and Danny were. And that, that time that she had with him was obviously 
way more impactful than the time I had. And I struggled with that because, as you saw on our triple date, she could say things to Danny that I couldn't. Yeah. And I wasn't going to say things to him to make me stay or to take me to his parents. I went in there promising myself that I was going to stay 100% honest and authentic and pure intentions. So I think towards the end, yeah, I, it did make me a little nervous because it is unfair to a certain extent that someone can get more time and someone can make that connection longer than me. But I also have faith because Danny and I had an instant connection. And like you said, I was the seventh girl in there and he sent two other girls home on the first elimination night I was there and I stayed. So I think that was reassurance in itself. And I did kind of just, just, just trust, trust what Danny and I had. I, I really, I tried my best not to worry about the relationship with Danny and Nikki. And I also tried to build a friendship with Nikki, um, which was difficult for sure. And I'm sure it was difficult for her when you guys have the same, same end goal. Yeah. And that was going to be my next question. It was literally, you took the words right out of my mouth competing against Nikki. You know, I want to ask, like, what was your relationship with her? I'm guessing you guys weren't BFFs, but did you guys try and get to know each other? I'm sure there's a ton of downtime uh, when you're filming, when you're not on dates, so you have to, you know, talk to other people in the house. Or did you get closer to Panese guys and Amanda's women versus, I don't want to get too invested in Nikki and you know, braid each other's hair at night and, you know, tell each other our deepest, darkest secrets, or maybe you did like, what was, where, how deep did it get with Nikki or was it pretty surface level stuff that you guys talked about? Um, I would, I would say it was just beneath surface level. It wasn't like as deep as other love interests and castmates that I got to know, yeah. but Nikki actually took me under her wing. The very first night I was there, I was so nervous entering the house. It is so intimidating and getting back from that first date, it's like, these people have been here forever, and they're all besties, and here I am, the new girl coming up. And and Nikki took me under her wing and took me into her room, and, like, we got ready together for whatever, I think it was a talent show that first night I was there. And she was filling me in on everything, and she made me feel like, oh, my God, okay, the girls in my pod are not bitches, thank God. Because that was my biggest fear was, like, mm. they're going to hate me. They're going to single me out. Like, I didn't know what was going to happen. I really expected the worst, like just the worst cattiness. And that didn't exist. And as Nikki and I stayed, we did grow apart, especially towards the very last elimination before New York. Understandably so. How can we go to each other and be upset about what the outcome could be on that final elimination night? So Towards the end, Nikki and I did grow apart and we confided in our other castmates, which I just think is normal. I think it would be weird if we yeah. confided in each other. Um, but honestly, I got really close to everyone in the house. I still talked to a lot of castmates that were there at the same time. I was, I mean, every night there's some sort of Christmas party or elimination. We're always drinking and like after filming we never really stopped filming but we're buzzed and having a good time and bullshitting and it was it was such a fun time yeah i'm wondering like be, you know with the with the final two for each person for each lead like were were remy 
and Hina close were Winston and Martin close, or was it those people made friends with the other people in the other couples? Um, I was roomies with Remy and Hina, and I know they were there for a long time. Um, Hina especially. So I know they were close and they Hmm. still are close friend wise. The last time I heard, um, so I don't, gosh, I'm trying to think back to a limit. Honestly, I love the lesbian pod. They are so dramatic and it, it's just, it makes me so happy. To be yeah. quite honest. But I remember that final day in South Lake Tahoe, um, the lesbian pod being chaotic up in our rooms and I'm, I'm sure we were all mic'd. I don't know if that's what's no. on there, but oh my gosh. Okay, it was, I mean, Hina and Remy were talking, like, like I said, they're, they they were close when I was rooming with them, so, hmm. uh, yeah, they were a good time, and Martin and Winston also had a great, a great relationship, like, friend-wise, they were hilarious, so, I actually think that the straight pod, my pod with Nikki, had the most emotional baggage, and, like, uh, just tears that or stress that final day, unless I just didn't see what else was going on with the other two pods. So let's see if we can put yourself back in that final day mentally going into that final gift giving ceremony. Did you think that he was picking you? <laughs> I did. Oh, you did. did. Okay. I no, did. I mean, okay. I, <laughs> put it. Okay. As a viewer, I'll say this as a viewer, Going into the final third, obviously I'm, I'm predicting in my head because I want to see like if I get it right or whatever. I knew uh, that Penny was picking um, Winston. I it was just it was just obvious. Martin had I just the way the camera time was. I felt like I barely knew Martin. Martin did not get a lot of camera time this season. Um, and then with Amanda, you know, I spoke to her. She was on the podcast. I was pretty sure she was picking Hina just because Hina had been there so long. And Remy was kind of in a situation like you. Remy arrived sixth. You know, she was sixth on out of the eight for um, for Amanda. Oh, so, I di- yeah, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Remy was sixth because only Leah and Raquel came after Remy. So I was just like, I just think she's picking Hina. Danny was the one that I was like, you know what? I'm up in the air on this, even though you came late. I totally saw your guys' connection, and I could tell that he was into you. Definitely more so than you know uh, than when Dylan arrived. I was like, you know, he's sending Dylan home. It's definitely going to be a Nikki uh, Brooke final two. So yeah, I saw it too. So I, I don't think I don't think you should be ashamed that you thought you were going to get picked, even though you were seventh. Like I totally thought there there was a chance in my mind. Did I ultimately think he was going to pick Nikki? Yes, but the way the show was edited, it made you, the viewer, doubt for sure that he's struggling with this. And so you felt like you were going to get picked, and you didn't. Once you weren't, we see you outside in the snow. You're sad. Uh, Danny comes out and hugs you, makes it worse. Uh, at that point, <laughs> at that point, did you think you'd ever see or talk to him again? Um. No, no, I didn't. And uh, you probably um, had no reason to think you would. I, I, I mean, it, I, like I, as you said on the show, you did say like I, I wish he wouldn't have done that because I, I feel even almost worse now because 
you know, no one, none of the other people, you know, um, uh, Penny didn't do that for Martin and Amanda didn't do that for Remy. She didn't walk out and, you know, he was, I believe he was, Danny was emotional at that point. You were crying and it was a very sincere, like you could tell he really struggled. So, um, he goes back in. Nikki asks him, you know, Nikki tells him, hey, you can smile now. And he's like, I am smiling. And he clearly had no smile on his face. And then he hugs her and he looks directly at the camera like, holy shit, this look of like, holy shit, what did I just do? Did I pick, did I make a mistake? So I, from there, it just kind of got a little weird. Um, what made you decide to put the note in his bag? Like, or just come up with the idea of, I need to write him a note and let him know how I really feel about everything. Um, the idea was I felt like it ended open-ended. I felt like, again, this has to do with the time I had with him. So yeah. it was like, okay, that, that I always go back to that triple date we had where I was, I couldn't say the things Nikki said. And I, I, I was so, look, I'm tongue tied up now. Um, I remember that feeling of like, I think I feel this way, but I don't feel like I can voice it because would it be a hundred percent honest right now? Cause I don't know him as well. And then the next morning I remember waking up with some clarity and I spoke to Danny on the couch before elimination. And I, that's why I thought he was going to choose me was because I felt like I had said what he had been wanting to hear. And I didn't say it because he wanted to hear it. I just, like I said, I woke up with that clarity. And then I, um, I wrote that note because I felt like he didn't hear what he wanted to hear and that that truth was still living inside of me. And he deserved to know whether I saw him again or not. And whether he still, you know, wanted to be with Nikki or not, I think he deserved to know the truth. Do you know how much time elapsed from the time filming ended at the cabin till the time those hometown dates took place? Yes. How long was it? A uh, couple day, couple days. I want to say max three days. Oh, okay, so they went. Okay, gotcha. So they went straight from. Yeah. All right. So we don't see what happens, or how it comes to be, other than we see Danny. He reads the note when he's on his hometown date. He opens up his bag and the note is in the bag. He's And after he reads it, he's obviously affected by it. He talks to his parents, says he's still thinking about you and that like he wants to make sure everything is okay. And he really, you're on his mind. And then after the hometown date happens, he well, he tells, uh, as we saw, he tells uh, Nikki that you had wrote him a note and that he's in a place where he just wants to make sure he's, Solid with everything, whatever. He, he kind of hemmed and hawed around it. But he tells Nikki about the note. And then the next thing we see is everyone uh, in New York. We see Amanda and Penny and Danny in New York. And Danny's on his bed. And episode eight ends with the cliffhanger of you showing up to his room. So my question is, how did that all come about? And what is the what is the time elapse from hometowns to when New York happens? Was that another just few days? Another few days, maybe a week. Um, Pani, I, I did a FaceTime call with Pani and he invited me to New York and said, you know, he heard about the note from Danny and that I should come and see if a second chance would be worth it. So it was actually Pani who kind of 
<laughs> okay, so it was Panini that did, well, obviously you had to get this approved by production. So do, is it something yeah. where production says, "Hey, it reaches out to you and says, "Hey, you know, Danny is struggling and we know that you want some things you probably want to say to him. Let's bring him to New York." Or did you reach out to production and say, "I want I've got to see him in person. I don't I don't like the way it ended even though I gave him a note. I feel it should be in person." How did that come about? Um Production reached out to me after Danny found the note. Okay. And I guess that was because Danny was so um, indecisive still that they reached out to me and they were like, hey, what are your thoughts on on doing a part two with Danny <laughs> in New York? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I would, I would love that chance. You know, I think face-to-face is, is the best policy when it comes to stuff like that. And I think I think it's really key, and I didn't know this until you just told me, I think it's really key to know that hometowns only happened about three days after you guys left the cabin. And then this happens another, maybe at, at tops a week later, uh, the New York scene, because that makes a lot more sense than months had passed. Cause I don't think you would have yeah, gone no. back if it was months. Cause I think you would have had gotten probably to a place in your life where you're just like, I don't want to revisit that. It, it hurt too much, but this is only a week later. So you're still in it. You still think you have a chance. Now I've watched right. I've watched enough reality TV in my life and seen all the editing tricks that people have pulled. And I know how producers work on these type of shows. When you came back to New York and they had you in, you know, with first starting with the note and then starting with the look that Danny gave the camera and then his struggling with the decision and telling his family, I don't know if, if, if Nikki is the right one for me. Uh, I, I really want to explore this with, I, I have some unfinished business with Brooke. I was 100 fucking percent convinced that they were bringing you back because you were going to end up with Danny. Like, they totally fooled me. I had no idea this was coming. And <laughs> like I was like, they would no way bring her back just so he could just dump her again. And you know what? Shit, they did. And I, I know it's been a few months, but Jesus, how do you feel about all that? Were, are you? I'm sure you're over it by now, but at the time, were you mad were you pissed off did you feel let on at all um no no uh I, I obviously i'm thinking in hindsight and with a lot of clarity right now so i'm trying to think back to what i felt in that second second breakup yeah <laughs> second dumping <laughs> um you know the evolution of danny and i obviously happened quickly that's what happens with reality tv but I think in New York at one point, there was one thing that was really dividing Danny and I, and that was distance. And that was us not being able to find a compromise where he was willing to leave Florida for me. Was I willing to leave California? I've done long distance before. I told him I didn't want to do that again. But if we did, it would have to be for like a very short expedited amount of time. And um, I remember that sinking in sometime while I was in New York after I saw Danny and had a couple conversations, I just felt like I needed someone to compromise with me and meet me halfway. And the conversations kept ending and I kept feeling like I was going to be sacrificing and I've sacrificed before and that wasn't fair to me. So I don't remember being angry with him. I don't remember feeling let on. Obviously it was heartbreaking when I got, rejected again but um 
it also like way, way deep down through all that heartbreak, I felt like it was the right thing that happened, that he made the right choice because we just had that dis- that difference, which is a big difference. And those things matter in real relationships. So for sure. And uh, yeah, in hindsight now, I, I, I absolutely 100% think he made the right choice because I am not leaving California anytime soon. <laughs> and I know he's not leaving Florida anytime soon. So see, that's interesting yeah. because again, first time we're hearing that that was never talked that was never shown on the show. We never hear about any really? conversation of you guys and distance, at least that I don't remember. No I, I don't remember them ever coming up. That's why I, I guess now it makes sense of why I was so surprised about the second rejection because sure. it didn't make any sense to me. Like he would go through all this to have you brought back. Clearly he was, he was up for you coming back and wanted to talk to you. But at no point, unless I'm completely blanking at no point was where do we see ourselves possibly, if this is going to continue, where are we going to, how are we going to do this logistically? That never came up. So yeah. That is crazy. We, I think we talked about it. I'm certain I would say on 90% of our dates. That is so funny how editing works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was, that was a topic. That was a topic between him and I for sure. But yeah, that definitely will, will twist you. <laughs> okay. So now, now I know why. <laughs> now I know why. And, and it makes all the sense in the world. And you have every right to be like, yeah, it, if he wasn't willing to compromise and, and you weren't willing to, you know, go to Florida and he wasn't willing to, go to California, yeah, there really isn't any way it was going to work out between you guys. So you probably look back on it now like, yeah, I mean, when you look at Danny, taking the logistics out of it, is he someone that you, even though in the little time that you had with him, looking back on it now, is he someone that you think you could have seen yourself with long term and completely remove logistics? Let's just say logistics wasn't a thing. Is he like your type? Did he kiss well? Did, you know, was it like that to where this guy I could totally see myself with. <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel like I'm being put on the stand right here. Can I breathe a bit? <laughs> um, Long term. Uh, I, I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if my career has anything to do with me not considering Danny. I'm going to, I'm going to say no. Okay. Um, now that I have clarity hindsight, just because, I, I I think we were different in our world, too. Like, what we wanted futuristically and, like, values and stuff. Working in the entertainment industry is very inconsistent. It's a crazy life. And I know he's very family-oriented. Granted, I am, too. But he didn't seem to understand, like, the way I work, how I work. I, I don't know. There was something, like, he was so family this family that like he's over at his family all the time where I am I don't see my family often you know so I don't know I think I think our values maybe were a little different and that's why I don't think I could see him long term oh and there's and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that answer it makes perfect sense like I don't think there's I I mean the fact that it took you a while to you know think about it I kind of sense that you were heading towards no but you didn't want it to come across as you know, mean or anything. And I don't think it came across as mean at all. It made perfect sense. Like you two, um, not morally, but, um, lifestyle wise just didn't match. Seems like, yeah. Hmm. Well, I mean, look, 
it's and like you said, you are in the entertainment industry, and it is very, you know, fickle and just kind of going job to job, and you know, being an actress, like you just never know where you're going to be. And if and if he's settled in Florida, like yeah, there was just boy. Now looking at it from the outside, it really isn't going to work. It really was never going to work. Like I don't think that you're missing out on anything here. Um, not that Danny's not a great guy or whatever, but it just wouldn't work with your lifestyles. I, and I, now that I'm thinking about it, where's Nikki from? I can't even remember. Nikki's from California. She's in Palmdale. Did she move to Florida? <laughs> Did, is, I, I, I think they're still long distance, but I, she was not opposed to moving to Florida. Okay. Palmdale? Yeah. She's from Palmdale? Wow. I believe so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, so that was, an, yeah, I mean, nothing, I don't, I don't know if she has a job or anything holding her here, but it didn't sound like it when we were when we were filming gotcha. where I, I'm just, you know, my whole life is Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of your job, this interests me because you said, you know, you're big into the horror genre. I want you to rank your top three horror films or franchises of all time. Oh my God. I love this question. Okay. <laughs> um, my number one is the 1970s Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I love that movie. I've seen it so many times. Wow. Um, okay. I just, I think it's epic. The second one, I don't know how critics will feel about this, but this is just something that's nostalgic and scared the shit out of me as a kid, is Jeepers Creepers. <laughs> that movie, I, I love Justin Long in it. Yeah. He's so good at being scared, and I love, love, love that film. And then lastly is the original Child's Play, because that movie also, to this day, made me terrified of dolls. So love <laughs> Chucky, but also hate him. So those, I think, are my top three for sure. Okay. If I were to extend it out to a four or five, I really want you to say one in particular. If you had a four or five, which I, because um, the one I have in my top three, you didn't name. So I want you to see if you can name it. Um if you had a four or five, would uh, what would those two be? Oh, gosh. I have so much pressure on me now. <laughs> Number four, the first one that comes to mind, which I just did a TikTok about. I, I talk about horror movies on my TikTok. I'm <laughs> such a nerd. Um, is It Follows. I thought that was a really, really phenomenal movie. Yeah. Okay. And, and then number five. Yeah. Hmm. Number five. Okay, I'm kind of torn between The Thing and A Nightmare on Elm Street. So I'll give you those two. Okay. So yeah. so now I just have to ask. Mm-hmm. I'm I really really and I and I recently got back into rewatching some of the old ones. Scream is nowhere in your f- top 5 genres for horror films. Oh, it's, I mean, I love Wes Craven. I love everything about Wes Craven. Um, yeah, Scream. I, I would trade Jeepers Creepers for Scream. I could do that. Okay. I think, just do it I for me, Jeepers please. Jeepers Creepers is just a nostalgic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm so stoked about the new one coming out. Oh, I, that's... So like, don't, yeah, that's why I got back into Like, that's why I've started to rewatch some of the old ones, because I'm so excited for the new one to come out. I think it's coming out around Valentine's Day. Is that right? Is that what I read? Um I know it's in early 2022. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's early 2022, yeah. and I just I love the story. I love the mystery behind it, to where it's like you don't really know who the the killer is. In all in all four movies, you're just like, wow, that 
I was thinking I was surprised at the killer every time I saw the originals. I was like, oh, didn't see that one coming. So um, plus, right. plus it was, you know, it had humor to it. It made fun of the it, it kind of made fun of the horror genre in itself. So it like didn't take itself too seriously, but it was still really good. And, you know, just iconic characters coming from it with Dewey and, uh, and Gail Weathers and Sydney. I it just great stuff. So I'm glad yeah. we, I'm glad we I agree on that. Even wanna... though I talked you into it. no you didn't i promise i also if you don't know like wes craven's history as a young boy and like growing into the director he was you should definitely research that he is so interesting but on a side note i'm outside my house talking to you right now because i'm home for the holiday and like the house is insane but as you were just talking about scream and you were talking about murders the street light on my street just went out and now i'm standing in the dark and i'm pretty sure i'm gonna die so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> thank you for that <laughs> so if there so are you right now in what you said roseville yeah i'm in roseville okay so if we find out that uh <laughs> there was a death or a murder in roseville uh <laughs> we know that we had the last contact with you so we'd be able to at least give yeah. some uh, people will hear you this is your last thing before you died so you Kind of be right. I, I kind of feel proud that I have your last interview before you were murdered to your death. <laughs> um, right before I get killed, I'm gonna be sure to like scream out a uh, a description for you for the cops. Okay. Yeah. No. Tonight. Perfect. <laughs> and now, now that you say Roseville, wasn't in in Scream? Wasn't the fictional town? Um, oh, Woods. Oh, I was, I was gonna say something with Rose. No, it's Woods. Woodsboro was the. Uh, in Scream, that right. was the fictional town. Yeah. For some reason, I was thinking it had Rose in it. I was like, "Oh my god, it would be so perfect if you actually, if it was something with Rose." But if you shit, actually would. died tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. I don't want. I really don't want you to die. But I kind of. But I kind of do because I think it would be kind of cool to be the last voice, and I'd be like, "Hey, I was talking be to this girl legendary. before she was murdered." <laughs> um, yeah. I don't want you to die. I'm. I'm. It's bad mojo. But sorry. The, I mean, the whole. The whole street's pitch black now. Like all the lights went out. Uh, yeah, my my parents live in a court, so the whole court is dark right now. But you know, oh, I'm fine. Okay. Everything's fine. <laughs> um, is the whole family back for the, for for this? Uh, is it how many brothers and sisters do you have? I have one older sister with two and a half nieces and nephews. She has the third on the way in February. Mm. Um, uh, grandparents. So not the whole family because taking precautions with the pandemic and all that still. So just a small and like immediate family, but uh, I'm Italian. So I'm ready to put on the pounds this week with some Italian food. Uh, I can't wait. That that makes two of us. Um, But you're you're Italian too. Yes. I'm Italian. Um, Where is, um, I was going to, I'm totally blanked. Oh, are you are if you're back for the whole week in Roseville? How many? You said niece and nephew. How old are they? I have a niece that just turned two and a nephew that is nine. Yeah, yeah, nine. Okay, so nine and two. How long? I know you said this in the beginning, but I, or maybe you didn't give the exact date. When did you make the move from up north to decided to make the move to L.A.? How long have you been in L.A.? It, I've been almost eight years. I moved night when I was nineteen years old. I think it was June twenty fourteen. June of twenty fourteen. Okay. 
and they've been and doing that stuff ever since. And wow, that's great. And I and yeah. I I believe I read an interview. You have a movie coming out soon. As long as right when Twelve Dates premieres, you also have a movie coming out or something like that, right? Yeah, fifteen days after Twelve Dates drops, so I believe it's December tenth. Mm-hmm. Uh, American Sicario comes out in select theaters and will be available online, and it's with Danny Trejo. And I got to play the leader of the cartel's girlfriend, which was a ton of fun. Do you get murdered in that movie by any chance? Or no spoilers? <laughs> no spoilers, but I, I don't think it would be a spoiler. I don't die. Okay, no. you don't die. <laughs> yeah, I don't die, unfortunately. <laughs> leader, of a cartel's, leader of a cartel's girlfriend, that has getting shot written all over it or something like that. Like, But it's good to know that you don't die in that either. Okay. You're not you're not wrong. No. I it comes close. I'll tell you guys that. Okay. And the and the name of it again yeah. is what? American Sicario. Okay. And December tenth, select theaters and it comes out um online, I believe I believe Amazon and iTunes. But Amazon. don't quote me. I'm not I'm not one hundred percent sure. Okay. And um, just to wrap things up here, who is, I know you say you speak to a lot of the people from your cast and your, and your friends, who would you say you are closest to, to this day from I am the cast? Closest, I am closest with Martin, actually. Um, we have spent so much time together. He is actually living in San Francisco as a stylist, and he is just living the dream. But mm. yeah, I'm closest with Martin, and I'm also close with Alex. Uh, but Alex lives in Atlanta, and we just keep in touch via text. Um, why am I? Hold on a second. <laughs> Where is I'm looking at? I'm looking at the names here. Uh, why am I blanking? Sorry, on, why am I blanking on Alex? Alex was the six foot seven, tall, beautiful black man. Um, wait. In the in the gay pod. Benji, Panige, John Paul, Tony, Tom, Martin. Oh, there he is, Alex. Sorry, yeah, name cro- I cross every time someone got uh, eliminated at the gift giving ceremony, I crossed their name out, and I just didn't see the X through. <laughs> I didn't see the X through his name uh, on my notes. Oh no. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Al- that's right, Alex. Now I remember, Alex. Okay. Um. By the way, do you know if um. If JP and Tom are still together? I don't know if I'm allowed to say. Oh, okay. Actually, you know what? Don't, you know what? Don't. Because, it, yeah, if, after okay. it airs, they, they probably will take to, uh, I'm assuming they'll take to social media after it aired to let everybody know what their status was. I was just curious. Maybe you can tell me off air. I just, yeah. I'm, I'm just uh, a little curious about that. Um, but, no, thank uh, you. know what, Brooke? Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Um, I'm glad everybody got to hear your side of this. And I think that once people watched it, they probably felt really, really bad for you um, for what you had to go through. But to hear your side of it now, it's like, no, Hey everybody, while it sucked, it's all good. Like you're in a good place. Uh, You're back to doing your thing. This was a while ago. So, you know, you've kind of moved on, but it's, it is good to hear that this wasn't some traumatic experience for you. And you um, it's, it's really made you hate men even more or something along those lines. You've, it seems like you've moved on and, and, and you're fine, right? Yes. 
yes, I, I am in a great place. I moved on. I'm not, not going to say it wasn't an, I wasn't an emotional train wreck during the rejection because I was, um, but no, I'm, I'm happy for Nikki and Danny and I'm happy for everyone on the show, whatever the outcome was. And yeah, I'm in a great place. Yeah. Even, I didn't even ask you this, obviously this, like you said, you've moved on, you're, you're in a great place. Have you started dating post-show? I have. Okay, good. Started dating post-show. Yeah. Now. Yep. I, yeah. I was going to say now, once this, I'm assuming you told whoever you're dating, hey, uh, come Thanksgiving day, my, my likeness is going to increase quite a bit on social media and people are going (laughs) to kind of know who I am and what I went through and. I, they're they're well aware of what's coming. Uh, well, I'm actually not dating someone right now. I just oh. I was saying like I just have dated it since the show. Like over the summer, I went on a couple dates. I was kind of seeing someone, but that didn't work out. Which again, it, that one wasn't a messy situation, which was great. But I'm actually completely single right now. Okay, not dating anyone. Okay, yeah. But this when this airs, and you know, like you know, it's been out for a week now and whatnot. I think I think everyone can see now and hear you now saying like, Hey, while it did suck and it was hard to go through at the time, we're in a better place. Now you've moved on and, and things are great for you and your dating life and your work life. So that's good to hear. Yes. Yes. Correct. Well, great. Uh, Brooke, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I'm glad I got to know you through this and I got to hear more things that made a little more sense now um, through all this. So I really appreciate you coming on. Good luck with everything. We'll definitely be in touch. Thank you so much. I had a great time chatting with you. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Brooke. Thank you so much to Brooke uh, for coming on, talking about that. A lot of good insight in regards to what happened to her during her season. And like I said in the podcast, like I couldn't believe that production went through all those hoops. Not like it was a major hoop. It doesn't cost a lot of money to bring her to New York and have her meet up with Danny again. But just to go through all that only to have her get dumped again. It just seems, I mean, I, it probably didn't, it was no sweat off their back, but I, me as a viewer, when I was watching it, I was convinced, Oh, they're bringing her back because Danny wants her and Danny's going to choose her. I mean, we all saw the face that Danny made once he eliminated Brooke and then went out and hugged her and then came back in and Nikki is telling him to smile. And he's like, I am smiling. And he had no smile on his face. And then he gazes at the camera for five seconds with an almost dreaded look in his face. Like that was just bizarre. And then from there, all they did was build up this. He's thinking about Brooke. He hasn't been able to shake it from his mind. And then they bring her back to New York and he dumps her again. But come to find out through Brooke, he was never leaving Florida and she was never leaving California. So it makes a hell of a lot of sense. But apparently that conversation did not happen until she got brought back to New York. So that's why he didn't pick her. Something tells me, well, I I don't know. I think next week we are going to talk to Nikki. Either Nikki is going to be next week or the week after the Nikki Ramos, who, who Danny picked. And I'm going to get her. I'm really curious to hear her side of things now that she's actually watched the episodes. Cause as you know, when I recorded with Amanda, who I released on Monday, and then Brooke today, neither of them had seen the episodes when I recorded with them. So they could only speak to so much. I'm going to speak to Nikki hopefully next week, 
and it'll literally the Thursday or the following Thursday. And I'm, I'm curious to what her thoughts are on Danny, not smiling, Danny, looking at the camera, Danny seemingly pining over Brooke during their hometowns. I want to know what she thought when she, when she saw it play out. Clearly it didn't mean much to her now because Danny and Nikki, if you have followed Nikki on her Instagram, they're happy. They're still together and they're a couple and they're happy. So good for them. But I'm just curious when she watched it play out, how that made her feel. And has it brought up any tough conversations with Danny? I'd really like to know because um, I, I, I see what I saw on the episodes and I'm like, gosh, if I were Nikki seeing this now play out for the first time, granted she had been with him the last seven months, you know, makes sense. Like, okay, it's got, it's got to bite at you a little bit, doesn't it? But I don't know. Maybe it's just me. We'll hopefully hear from Nikki in the next couple weeks. So thank you all for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review on Apple Podcasts. Certainly helps the podcast in terms of advertising. Uh, rate it. You don't. I mean, I, I like if you leave a review, but as long as you rate it with you know five stars or whatever, uh, I really appreciate that. So that certainly helps. So in. Uh, and I'll do it for pretty much this podcast. Um, thanks again to Brooke Lusk. And for Brooke, I'm Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in, and we will talk to you next week. See you!